welcome to Jews on Film. My name is Harry Adensasser. I'm your Jewish film podcaster. And joining me as always is Daniel Zana. Hi, Harry. My name is Daniel Zana. I'm a video editor, documentary filmmaker. And I just uh, would like to know uh, if you'd like a pamphlet for the Religious Consciousness Church, maybe? If not, that's fine, too. Uh, There's a couple things going on there. Let me ask my guest. Our guest today is a comedian who frequently performs at Stand Up New York on the Upper West Side, as well as Jewish events all over the country. He had a sold-out tour in Israel in 2019. Some may find his material a bit too Jewish, but with a name like his, he wasn't going to try to hide that. Eli Leibowitz, welcome to Jews on Film. Thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I kind of introduce myself sometimes. All right. At shows, I say some comedians have like late night credits, and me, you've seen at the Young Israel West Hempstead, so that's pretty much where. Yeah. I'm sure some of it. our listeners can confirm or deny that. Yeah, that's a regional joke for those who are not on the East Coast. Um, but, but anyway, fair enough. I, I try to get as specific as possible. Yeah, exactly. As Audience I'm, of I'm one happy. is really going to be. <laughs> yeah. No joke. I'm happy you said that, and I will, I'm going to save this, but I'm teasing later. I'm going to ask you some questions about that. So that's yeah. uh good that you just mentioned that sounds great about like like who he knows from shul is that what you're gonna ask <laughs> not quite more about I, specific comedy and what that looks okay. like but how, I think how, is the, how is the kiddish yeah at... yeah Got it. we have yeah. questions yeah we i just have a, a very quick question you know you know uh very basic question for you uh I wanted to know, like, what what you know we talked a little bit before about the podcast uh you know via email and things like that and we were going back and forth between a few different movies. Uh, but ultimately, we settled on 1980s Airplane, uh, directed by Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker, often referred to as Zaz, just for, maybe I'll use that for, you know, convenience sake. But uh, I wanted to know sort of why you chose this film in the end to discuss on Jews on Film. I think I picked it for the most Jewish reason, because I was like, what is available right now HBO Max or Max or Netflix with easily access. Like I moved last week, so it was like I was like, uh, "Don't mess with the Zohan." I was like, "All right, let me check." I think that was one option. Um, but I, you know, it's one of these things. I, I I looked for. I think Spaceballs was another option that I wanted to do. But to me, I I, I picked this because, you know, even if it's not an inherently a Jewish movie, a the three you know directors of it are are Jewish but also just the like there's just a Mel Brooksian style of humor that this movie this movie is so it, it is so Jewish and there's like three specific Jewish in, you know jokes specifically that I that I highlighted but like also just there's a Jewishness to a lot of this humor in my opinion yeah yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more there and I want to I really want to save this for the discussion because you really are treading into all of these topics that I'm excited to discuss but what you were saying about you know Mel Brooks that very parodic like parody you know joke you know 10 jokes a minute kind of style there's something that feels very Jewish about it and especially because we associated with Mel Brooks but I was hoping that over the course of this conversation we, we will be able to put a definition a little more to you know what is Jewish about this what makes it feel that way be but it certainly is, whether it's, you know, making fun or, you know, self-deprecating, knocking at certain things or just, you know, the way that it's skewering kind of this whole host of topics. There's something certainly very Jewish about it. So I was I was very excited. Daniel, I know you mentioned before we were talking that you had, you know, seen this movie before. It kind of had a special place in your heart. But what was your relationship with the movie, you know, when you rewatched it for the pot? Uh, I just I, I guess there were a lot of jokes as a kid growing up I didn't get. I, prob I think it was probably in reruns on cable quite a bit. 
Um, and maybe on VHS I would watch it. But yeah, a lot of jokes. Um, and then just now kind of watching it through the lens of our podcast, I think just sort of seeing, you know, maybe not related to the Jewishness of it all, but like it's almost like everyone in the movie is kind of Groucho, but not Groucho. You know, like Groucho and Duck Soup, which we've covered, is, you know, wisecrack after wisecrack, and everyone else just is kind of appalled by it or shocked by it. But like everyone in this movie says really funny stuff, and it almost as if like that's the language that everyone communicates to each other in. There's no one who talks in like a serious tone. Everything is kind of a little off kilter, not quite, you know, you get the, the, the intention of what everyone's trying to say, but it's all done in like a jokey language. So yeah, very I, interesting. I, I also feel like, you know, as slapstick as the humor is, like you said, everybody is like speaking in this like humor language. And I think that's like lost on today's kind of comedy where people don't get irony or satire or parody and they just don't they they are just what what do you mean like whatever i like even like this whole like roseanne thing that she said recently you know i think she was even if she was off the off the rails on her joke quote-unquote joke she was joking and so when it comes to like deadpan almost like deadpan humor like i would say like probably 30 rock is probably a good comparison to this kind of thing like if you do 30 rocks have been a laugh track for a reason because it's like if you get it you get it and we're gonna move on right right yeah i think the, the laugh track kind of tells you oh this is funny pause laugh and let's move on whereas this like everything just is rapid fire the the 30 rock comp and everything you guys are saying about it i think is really in line with the story and i, I won't tread too much on context corner maybe i'll set it up for you daniel so you can jump in but you know, one of the interesting things about this movie was all the actors that they cast, they went with people who were relatively unknown. I actually think I saw, you know, the studio really wanted Bill Murray to be playing the main role, but, you know, the filmmakers kind of insisted on their casting characters. And they took people who normally played these same roles, you know, in these disaster type movies completely straight and had them do something similar. And I think, you know, you said 30 Rock. I'm thinking of the way Jack Donaghy is this kind of very self-serious person and even performer, the way Alec Baldwin plays it. But all of these characters are just, are so dead straight and because the scene you know because it gets exceedingly ridiculous what's going on here you know we'll talk about like the chicken and the fish and the way that you know that the way that they're playing this like we need a doctor like completely straight that that creates this tone that i think like you guys are all saying is uh is so ridiculous and so funny uh well thanks for the intro to context quarter i'll just give a little bit of context um you know the film was directed in 1980 um like i said directed and written by jim abrams david zucker and jerry zucker the three of them, Zaz, they had worked previously on a film called Kentucky Fried Movie, which was like a collection of sketches. Um, and the film was ultimately directed by John Landis. And it really like plays out like a sketch show, that movie. Um, it's very interconnected in, in a very loose way, but they could sort of each be like a YouTube sketch today, but would probably not fly in today's culture, I think. I think a lot of it is a little bit, you know, may have not aged super well. They had uh, someone named Elmer Bernstein compose the score. So it's like a very serious score. Like you said, Harry, um, it is a disaster movie. And and the plot and a lot of the lines are, are ripped from this 1950s movie called Zero Hour, which makes sense if you think about why Stryker is having these like World War II flashbacks when the film like takes place in the 1980s. So it obviously like doesn't quite make sense timing wise. Um, but yeah, everything from Zero Hour, you know, the Stryker plot line, is trying to get back together with his wife and then he has to pilot but everything about it is very much the same so i think even 
in terms of Oscar, I think it was nominated or won like best adapted screenplay because it's adapted I, from the old I movie. I think they yeah. even right. I, I think I even heard they bought the rights to the original movie so that they could crip all of the you know all the lines from it and not get you know accused of plagiarism. Like yeah, we're just doing effectively a remake, but right. you know heightening up the comedy by playing it so ridiculously. Could could Jews worried about a lawsuit? You know. <laughs> Does that mean Mel Brooks actually asked George Lucas for permission for for Spaceballs? You know, so you, it's <laughs> funny good, you say that because there is a story yeah. there that uh, I forget the character's name in uh, Spaceballs, like the main uh, whatever his name is. But the story Lone goes that Star, Lone Star, Lone thank you. Star. That he wanted to. The story goes that he wanted to dress him like Han Solo and put him in the vest, and he asked George Lucas, and he said. Or I think he just said you could do the parody. Just don't make like you can't make fun of you know Han Solo. So he dresses him up as Indiana Jones. That's nice. kind of that's the <laughs> twist. That's why Lone Star is in like the you know the cowboy getup or whatever the uh, explorer getup. So so yeah. So there is some there is that interplay I think between the uh, the parodies and you know the subject of what they're parodying. And you talked before. I'll I'll wrap up the context corner real quick. Is that you know in terms of the serious cast people, we have um, Robert Hayes as Ted Stryker. Julie Haggerty is uh, Elaine. Leslie Nielsen, who up until this point was only doing serious movies, but uh, after that was doing tons of Naked Gun movies, all these other things that uh, he was known for. Peter Graves as uh, Clarence, Captain Over. Lloyd Bridges, you know, Jeff Bridges' dad, you know, the dude's dad. Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries uh, as uh, Captain Rex Kramer, and the list goes on and on. With a nice cameo by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as First Officer uh, Roger Murdoch, which is an awesome cameo and uh you know set the stage for oj to be in uh, the naked gun movies later on down the line uh the movie cost 3.5 million dollars to make and grossed 171 million dollars so it was a good good investment there um i think that's all i might close out the context corner if unless there's anything else you wanted to add before we kind of get into the movie all right let's take a quick break we'll come right back and we'll kind of dive into the movie and we'll talk all about the great jokes and all the things that are in there We'll be right back. Welcome back to Jews on Film. We're here with Ellie Leibowitz to discuss the film Airplane. Harry, why don't you take off? I like what you did there. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I mentioned this earlier, but I really wanted to use this movie to kind of open that discussion of, uh, you know, Jewish humor and what is Jewish about this. Like you you mentioned it, Ellie. I had spoken to Daniel about this earlier. This this is really in the lineage of Mel Brooks. You know, this is very like broad parody, ridiculous scenarios, you know, not quite grounded in a way that I think if a movie was coming out nowadays, it might be more focused on, you know, a believable story. But, you know, Daniel, I think you even said it was almost dreamlike the way that everything so ridiculous is happening here. So. I think we all know this is Jewish, but I think our audience would appreciate if we could put to words, you know, what about it we think is Jewish. And I've got some stretches. I've got some ideas here, but I wanted to hear from the two of you first, if you have anything, any thoughts on, you know, what makes this movie or this style of comedy really so Jewish. I thought of the the exchange, the uh, the Roger over uh, Victor thing. Flight 209er, clear for Victor 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our Victor, Victor? Howard Radio Clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. What? Hey! Who? Very, right. who's on fir- very, like, who's on first-ish. And I, I don't know, are Abbott and Costello Jewish? I don't know. But if they're not, they, again, I'm just, you know, Jew, Jews have <laughs> adopted them as very, like, who's on first feels like a very smart but silly 
it's like a, it's a combination of again that i think that's what some of this movie is is it's so surface level silly and stupid in a way but also kind of smart that like oh remember somebody had to write this whole dialogue that that whole thing and name these characters have the foresight to name these characters those things so you have that so i found that very um very jewish that part um also just like i don't know, even the beginning you have the airport pa announcers arguing over each other eventually like it starts out other than the jaws beginning with the airplane or whatever but like you have at the when they get to the airport like you hear the PA announcers and everything's like normal and then, and then it ramps up like they start yelling at each other and they and they start like having this like domestic dispute and that right there is just like oh yeah that's like you know that's every sitcom is you know, everybody loves Raymond, maybe a technically Ray Romano, but it's really Philip Rosenthal's family, which is like, you know, Jewish talking about your like family issues. Fun fact about that is that the the people on the PA are actually husband and <laughs> wife and they are the announcers from LAX airport. So there you go. That's fantastic. I, yeah. I like that. I actually like that you brought those scenes up because what you're saying is making me think that there's something very wordy and verbose almost about Jewish humor. You know, it's a lot of like saying more words, talking and very similar to the Groucho Marx model that Daniel, you were talking about earlier, where he's like constantly talking a mile a minute, much faster than everyone else saying much more than needs to be said. You know, a lot of this movie, you know, there are so many instances where, and we're going to talk more about this idea of miscommunication, but where someone's saying something and, you know, they're required to kind of say things over and over. It's like a very wordy joke. And I think one thing this movie actually does really well is, it's there's so many jokes in this movie because it's constantly operating on these two planes of like there's the the joke that's being told to you that's like being you know like you're Planes, hearing in the words but then oh thank you but there's also like there's just so much visual humor in the background and that kind of busyness that kind of like almost like neediness like I'm trying to impress you or I'm trying to just throw as much at you I mean it just feels very Woody Allen very Mel Brooks like and then do you guys think I'm onto something there like that there's something very busy about Jewish oh. humor. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a level of like, it's it's one of these things that because we're watching this, I don't know, forty three years after it came out, it feels like dated because you're like, oh, this is what every show nowadays or has that good show is that like miscommunication is Frasier, Seinfeld, uh, right, and whatever, and the this jokes of the signs like L was it L no you smoko is like yeah. a, such that's like a sin yes. that's, right. that's like a sign you would see in The Simpsons, you know, right. like totally so. All these things are informed from, you know, almost like Torah, but like, you know, the traditions of the past of humor. You're like, I watch Andy Griffith. I'm like, I don't understand this at all. Why is this funny? Right. But and I don't think that holds up. But this you're like, oh, this is like introducing all these things that everybody else for the for the time on is going to follow. Right. I think it's interesting. Like I'm I, as we're talking through this, I, I I'm I'm going to, you know. I'll give you each a ticket to the stretch train because I think we're already well well within our rights to you know to get on board. But like I think the shot of the movie, like the the basic premise of the movie, you know, Stryker gets on a plane, everyone gets sick, he needs to land the plane. That's the movie. Like we're done. And then there's like there's Perush, which is like a interpretation, right? And so like there's there's sight gags that don't go and they're not acknowledged shit hitting the fan and spears getting thrown into the wall and like watermelons there. And then there's like visual gags that are like much more like, that's the only thing you see. Cause oftentimes you'll have people talking and then like in the background, a spear will 
go through or like someone will pose on the desk and it'll be similar to the picture. And like a lot of it goes unacknowledged, but there's a lot of different ways you can watch the movie. And upon like almost like, again, like Talmud, the more you study it, the more you get out of it. And like the more you watch this movie, I think you'll pick up on these jokes and like, oh, I, I didn't I didn't see that one last time. And, you know, thank you to this website. I think it's called bullshit.ist. And it's like, we'll put a link in the show notes, but it has a list of every single joke in airplane ranked. And so I was able to like, before the podcast, like refresh my memory with some of these. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I must've missed that joke. So there's a lot in there. It's densely packed. Um, but upon repeat viewings, I think you're able to enjoy it a bit more. Yeah. Do you watch of a stretch? No. Well, I also think that like sarcasm is a Jewish kind of humor. Like even in, you know, in the Bible, like, you know, Eliyahu Anavi at, you know, Mount Carmel is like talking to these idol worshipers and trying to, their, their fire isn't being, isn't lighting on its own. And he's like, maybe you should stop it. Maybe you should speak louder. Maybe they'll hear you. Maybe the idols will hear you louder. And that's like the first, or again, the Jews in Egypt being like, could we, weren't there enough graves in Egypt to, that we, we couldn't have died like whatever there. And like, that's the most, so again, the, this entire movie, and that's why I think it's like, is Jewish humor quote unquote smarter? I think it's it's just sarc- sarcastic, and it's like you have to be in on the joke to understand it's a joke. That's the thing, and that's that's why like I think you know your Modern Families, your shows that don't have laugh tracks, I I hold in a little bit higher regard sometimes because you're you know because uh, yeah they're in on in on the joke. Yeah, I I think that there's certainly something like you're saying very inside jokey about this movie, and very much like. You know, the, as broad as it goes, it, it really is particular. And you have to understand even the callbacks within the movie, you know, and even like the specific language things that are going on here. I, I wanted to mention because I was reading somewhere, you know, I was reading this article that was talking about, you know, the, one of the most famous lines from the movie. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And I was reading about it and someone, someone was talking about, I think they were like this Italian publication or something. And they said that line can't be translated into other editions of this movie because it, it doesn't work. Like, and a lot of this humor is very specific to English. It's very linguistic. It's very, you know, uh, even like cultural, like you, you pick up these visual things. You have to know the kinds of magazines, the leaflets they're building. You have to know about, you know, the lack of Jewish great athletes and in, in one of the best gags in the movie right. that we'll talk about. But it just, it, I think it's everything you're saying, Ellie, that it's very, very particular. And I wanted to ask you about this, and I told you at the top to remember what you said earlier because I, I was going to ask you about this. But, you know, I, I, I've heard you do a lot of, I mean, I've seen a lot of your videos. You did a set once, and I remember being struck just by how, like, uniquely, and in our case, you were talking to a modern Orthodox audience, just how specific it was to a lot of our experiences, which, you know, I had never seen in a lot more broad comedy. And do you think that what is it about, you know, your comedy or would you say, you know, Jewish humor generally that really is drawn into just these very, very narrow holes for ourselves, you know, and not kind of these broadly applicable, relatable humor that you might see in uh, in some other comedy? Well, I think for myself, it's it's my own experience. So, like, I'm super sheltered and I don't <laughs> I have lived in the Jewish bubble my entire life. And uh, and that is just like I, I, I write what I know. So to me, I'm just like, I don't know, do people that aren't Jewish even play board games? Like when do they own a crockpot? Why would they? Uh, you know, so and that's not being condescending. I just don't know because I'm just like, how, how do you like, how are you not panicking if you brought enough tuna on your vacation? You know, so for, my, for myself um, to for myself, when, that's how I write. And when it comes to like, you know, I, I just write 
here's what I think I know. I trust my, at this point, I trust my humor that I'm like, okay, if I'm experiencing this, hopefully other people um, have. But yes, I, I remember being envious of a John of one of John Mulaney's old uh, specials where he's talking about like how they changed the Catholic, you know, the Catholic mass, you know, greeting or whatever, you know, and, that, and a, a piece on to you or whatever. And I was just like, how lucky is he that a billion people are Catholic? And I'm just like, only a percentage of a percentage are going to get my stuff about a Soto woman exploding. You know, um, so, but I, but I think like, you know, there is the, uh, the, the Jewish element of that is, is the, uh, is the almost the Talmudic sense of you're analyzing a verse in the Torah about don't cook a kid in its mother's milk. And apparently that means don't eat milk and meat, milk and meat together. And, you know, so there is this like extra know, scrutiny of every little thing in, in every way so that's what jewish jewish humor is it's a little cold in here <laughs> you're just a hy- hyper alert to a lot of a lot of what's going around you um and i think that's what makes um i don't know jewish humor is just like being observant in addition to just like being like i have to pay attention in case someone's after me but <laughs> something like that yeah i mean i feel like sometimes uh, you know, like we talked about it before on other episodes that like sometimes the most specific can be the most general. Like we talked about it with RRR and things like that. Like, you know, other people do use crockpots and board games. Just wanted to fill you in there. I mean, it is, there's a reason. Thanks. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> glad I could provide that insight to you. Um, no, but I, I mean, I wanted to kind of go back for a second to the, to you. I think Harry or Ellie, you made the comment that like the humor in, in this movie is very specific. I found it to be incredibly broad and like you don't have to have anything coming to the movie. I think some layers of these like verbal jokes are very specific, but maybe that's why you do have the more broad humor that like, you know, there are certain jokes that everyone will get because they're seeing them. And then there are certain jokes that are like callbacks, you know, with the, person trying to call, constantly kill themselves or the person you know how he has like a drinking problem and he can't seem to get it and like that's funny because we understood that he planted the seed that he had a drinking problem at the beginning but like to a can, can to I a, interject for one thing about the drinking problem for a second sure sure yeah there's, there's no way in space jam when they take all the all the players talents i don't know if uh, you remember the movie and Larry Johnson is one of the players. And okay. he, he's like, I'm okay, coach. And he drinks and it goes behind him. There is no way that is not inspired from oh, drinking they said he problem has a problem in Nice. Well, no, no, they didn't say that, but they just oh. lost their talents. Losing uh, <laughs> your basketball can't <laughs> just put a water bottle by. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's funny to like a kid. I don't need to understand the the joke of like, what is a drinking problem supposed to mean? And like, what? it's just slapstick. It's funny. It's like a visual gag. You know, you were just talking now about Space Jam and, you know, like airplane referencing Space Jam, there's a lot of scenes in this that were either inspired by, like, you know, the mirror gag at Rex Kramer's house to me seemed like a nod to the Marx Brothers, and then this whole handshake where everyone's meeting each other, you know, Captain this, meet the Captain this, Captain this. Like, that was very reminiscent of, like, the Jojo Rabbit, like, all the Nazis introducing each other. Harry, I see you got your hand up. Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, I just, before we go down this path, I really wanted to respond to what you were saying earlier, to what Ellie said, and just kind of, push back a little bit on the I think it, it actually is in line with what we're saying about the levels of depth in this comedy like sure there are broad things that are funny there's plenty yeah, of pratfalls yeah. in this movie uh-huh. that I think anyone watching for the first time but like we've been saying this movie in some ways is very Talmudic and I really love that comparison because it can be analyzed it's so deep there's so much going on right there are so many references in there that I think you're missing 
you know, obviously that Shirley one I was saying is, is the mm -hmm. English language thing, which yes, most of the speaking world right now speaks English. So that's not so restrictive, but there's stuff with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You have to know who he's talking about. You have to sure. know who he's dragging up and down the court. You have to know there's that one line where that woman says, Would either of you like another cup of coffee? I will, but Jim won't. I think I will have another cup of coffee. Jim never has a second cup of coffee at home. Which I'll admit I didn't get the first time, but that's a reference to a famous commercial that was out in oh. like the 80s about the, or the 70s about didn't this person get who drinks. Yeah, like that was a famous line. Like it was like a Folgers commercial or something. Ah, okay. Sure you can't stay for more coffee? It's late, and Jim never has a second cup. You know, I'd love another cup. Jim never had seconds of my coffee. And I made pretty good coffee. But that night, we both discovered U-Ban. I think this movie relied on so many in interlayers of, like, of depth to it that, to me, I think is, is, it is definitely in line with what you were saying, Daniel, about, you know, the more specific, sure, you can get broad because people will figure out it's funny. Mm -hmm. But I think that this movie really does reward you know, an intimate knowledge and a depth. And uh, before I hand it off, I just, I think this is similar, you know, what we were asking that question about, you know, is there something Jewish about very specific humor? I think there are two answers to that. First, what you said, Ellie, just about that very, you know, granular and Talmudic yeah. approach that if you're Jewish, you know, you, you're, even if, you know, you, whether it's your culture or your religion or your faith or whatever connects you to your Jewishness, like it requires this very intricate analyzation of your everyday activity that I think, you know, manifests in the comedy. I think the other answer, you know, we were talking about, you know, most of the world is like Christian, like Jews have always been a very kind of insular, isolated community. So we've had to kind of poke fun at ourselves and be a little bit referential with ourselves. The mass, you know, the mass comedy broadly or the mass culture historically hasn't always been so targeted towards Jews. So I think there's developed this very, you know, tied back. So just wanted to get some thoughts out there on, you know, the movie, but also that question we had about Jewish comedy. I, 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 what I was going to say is that I think the what I think the, what these comedies do well is that they it's like it's like a Pixar movie. A Pixar movie has to be is is decides hey I'm going to be entertaining enough for kids. Like I didn't like the Mario. The reason I didn't like the Mario movie was because there was nothing in it for me, and there mm. should have been right. And the P Pixar movies do an excellent job of making a a entertaining enough story for the kids. In addition to a bunch of jokes that if you get it, you get it. If you're an adult, you're going to get it. And the kids are going to laugh because it's not funny. And that's what this this movie has. A bunch of, you know, again, here's a bunch of jokes. If you got the reference, call Kavod. Great. If you didn't, um, I don't really care because it's not, it's not impeding the plot. And sometimes they're just abstract silly jokes for the sake of silly jokes. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's I think actually that's what's wrong with a lot of comedies these days also is that instead of trying to make as funny a movie as possible with a good plot, they kind of either just try to have a message overarching the the humor and stuff like that. As a, There is no message here. This is just a, a funny, silly movie. And that's what the 1980s were. Well, don't order the fish, I think, is the real takeaway from this film. You know, like... again, a Jewish the Jewish subtext of. <laughs> Dietary restrictions, gastrointestinal exactly. issues. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I thought, I was like, whoa, I forgot that that was the reason why everybody got sick is because they ate the fish and not the meat. But that carried over from the original film, which is, you know, what's more Jewish than a GI related uh, disaster film, you know? But yeah. it was interesting when they were pulling away Kareem Abdul Jabbar, he was wearing his, like, 
I go back and forth, right? Because like I didn't get the reference about he never has a second cup of coffee, but then there was a callback to it where like there was some other related joke to that one. And well, I because like, he started vomiting and she's like, he never vomits at home. You know, right. like he never vomits yeah. twice or something. So like I, I didn't remember the Folgers commercial, but I still found it funny. So I don't know. It's like, you know, and if yeah. you don't get the Kareem joke, when they're pulling him away, he's got his jock strap on, he's got his long pants or his long socks and his sneakers on. So I think you could probably put two and two together for the kids who don't know who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, like seeing that visual right, gag. You realize kind of he's a basketball it. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it's. I think it works in layers, and I think it rewards you if you, you know, you know stuff. And I think there's like three layers almost. It's like the third layer is you really have to be present in the references, which I think none of the three of us might have got caught all of them. You mm-hmm. know, like that co- that coffee one that I figured out afterwards. There's like that second layer, which is like the, the movie almost calling back on itself, doing right? self references, like repeating kind of certain gags. Like there was one great gag where you know there was this like miscommunication thing, and he's like, "You'd better tell the captain we've got to land as soon as we can." This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Tell the captain I must speak to him. I didn't realize that comes up like four times. I thought right. that was yes. just, so, I only remember a hospital, what is it? Right. And yeah. I didn't realize it, it happens like four times in the There's movie. There's also three, like, like something happening in the cockpit. What is it? It's a room, it's a small room where the pilot sit. Yeah. But that's not important now. Like, right. like that, my point is that's like the second layer, which is these gags that are kind of building on themselves within the mm-hmm. movie. And they're then there's mythology. the first layer. Yeah. Exactly. They're on mythology. And then there's the first layer, which like is the pratfalls, is the, oh, that's sure. clearly a basketball player because they're pulling him out by his, you know, his Lakers shorts are on right. kind of thing. Like the last, like this, I, I picked the wrong time to quit smoking and then he starts smoking. I picked the wrong time to start drinking and then he's right. drinking. I picked the Stop wrong time glue. to like sniffing glue. And then like we cut back to him and his hair is like so big and he's literally like upside down. So at this point, like if you haven't totally. caught the fact that he's said this three other times in the movie, he's now like upside down and his hair is spiked. So you it's can't almost, ignore it at this point. You yeah, know? It's, it's almost like the movie is like it's forgiving you for not understanding the language of references by teaching you its own language so you can feel like you're in on the joke. It's like, oh, I remember that. That's a callback to 20 minutes earlier when we had that similar gag. You know, the movie is kind of rewarding that sense of pulling things together. This is a real stretch, and I'm not even sure I want to edit or air this. But I feel like it's like almost like a, like davening in a certain way that like you repeat it and you and like so you can kind of get the intention. Whether it's like saying the Shemona Esrei or Shacharit Min Chamar, you know, like the, these things, these greatest hits, Shema, Shemona Esrei, Ashrei, like these things that you say over and over and over again, so you can really like get into it. I feel like maybe the movie knew that and is channeling that. Probably not. But, you know, just the, f- the fact that we're like repeating the jokes Repetition. and we're kind of hitting it over the head. So you'd be like, remember this? Remember this? And if you I didn't like catch I, it the first time, you'll get it on the second time. I think it's like when uh, they they have davening, parts of davening or the general liturgy and then shows up like like the part of Della shows up in the Megillah and you're like, hey. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> right. Totally. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like, you know, you, Ellie, you talked about like the sign in different languages and so uh, I kind of wanted to just talk about language and miscommunications because I feel like that's where a lot of a lot of the humor comes in you know there was a joke about like you know what's the status and then he says oh two more minutes on the turkey or something like that like he's not asking about a turkey or cooking in the air trap you know there's a lot about that but one of the more famous scenes is this this idea or this scene where um, I think the stewardess is talking to two African-American gentlemen uh, you know sitting down in the airplane and she has a hard time understanding. So this old woman comes and I think she's from Leave it to Beaver. Uh, and so she comes over and she speaks jive to them. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cuddy say can't hang. Oh, stewardess, 
I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right. Would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. Get say your cutting me, Jack. 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 Say, 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 Chomp don't want to help, chomp don't get the help. Say can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. There's a nice back and forth exchange. Um, and as a kid, I didn't speak jive, nor do I speak jive. But I understood that there was like a language barrier and that this old lady was there. Um, but yeah, kind of a funny scene. Any thoughts on that scene or just in general, this idea of like communication or language? Well, I think a good part of a bunch of these jokes, like... There's like this thing of like what movies would get canceled nowadays for certain scenes. Um, that's probably top of the list. Oh yeah, are we even allowed to have this conversation about that scene nowadays? Like, no, I mean, just in, in terms of analyzing, like that's one of those that doesn't hold up. And that again, it's it, nowadays a 2023 audience would just be like, no, that's so racist and whatever. Though I think it's just saying, oh, by the way, like if you grew up in a different area, you're going to speak a different like, you know, slang, a different lingo. Um, in addition to the whole pilot situation with peter graves being like a super creep that that also doesn't hold up very right, well yeah. have you ever seen a grown uh, man I, naked yeah, yeah, have you ever been to a turkish prison you ever, ever you like gladiator movies uh whatever it's <laughs> like it just keeps going and going and it's just so uh, i think you have to go back to a seat no i do so like those those are the two that in my head are like okay those won't hold up very well uh-huh. um in terms of it but but i think like I don't know like that's that's just, just a funny thing it's it, like i you can easily make a scene like that and it's like oh i speak jewish don't worry right and then you just have them just like 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 i think the lazy version of that would people having just making the phlegm noise at each other which mm-hmm. is the lazy noise lazy right, way of doing right, it which right, is right. i hate when they do it and then there's the you could actually do it and have a real jewish thing and be like it's too hot and and they're really like i i like that's how i would make it nowadays sure like a little yiddish I think that's a, a really good point because I think it's also one of those scenes where I agree with you. Nowadays, people would probably avoid it because they'd say, oh, this can get dicey. But the way the movie does it, they're talking jive with each other. What I read is that the original, the trio Zaz, like the directors, they tried to kind of script some dialogue there and then we're just writing gibberish. kind of exactly what you're saying. And I think I read that the actors who actually played these two guys, like they wrote the dialogue themselves. They're like, we'll Great. just have like a real conversation. And in that sense, like... You know, there. It's. I think it's, it's the better version. Of yeah, this. It's, it's authentic. It's the way they're talking. I think there's a gag there where this random woman says, "Oh, I speak jive, no worries," and then it kind of sounds preposterous from her. But I think this movie actually pulls it off in a way that's shockingly sensitive for you know a 1980 film. Like there are, you know, other movies that have done way worse kind of since. Oh yeah. And I mean, I think yeah. it holds up. It doesn't. It doesn't go over the line. I think it kind of goes right up to the line, and it's just like. We're going to leave this here and you can kind of like fill in the blanks, like especially like the Turkish prison runner that they're doing like that, uh, you know, like they're implying something, but they're not quite saying it. You know, there's like a number of like, you know, not quite gay jokes, but there's something a little bit off about the guy in the air control tower. Uh, he doesn't have like a gay af- He doesn't have like a gay lisp or something like sort of, um, you know, stereotypical. But he makes a lot of jokes around like dress it like you're, I can't believe you're very flamboyant, but he's very flamboyant. Yeah, and he doesn't communicate in a normal like. There's no um, plot that he's adding to the film. Every every joke that he or every line that he makes is like a joke. Um, And he, you know, 
so you know they're not quite it's, it's saying it, Billy, but they're kind of implying pretty much Billy it. Eisner forty three years ago. Yeah, so they're they're kind of they're they're kind of implying it. You know, so it's uh, um, I I think like you said here, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I would you know I would argue that like I don't know that this is like a super offensive movie in that way. I think you know they're they're being like you said, Harry. They're they're being mindful of of stuff, and you know it's not that bad. I've seen way worse movies yep. that have come out. So, yeah. But that plot, and, and the reason I was excited to bring this up is that that scene, or that you brought it up, is that that scene is kind of evocative of what just a lot of this movie is doing. And we've, we've covered a lot of this already, this kind of like miscommunication. And we've mentioned a lot of these scenes, you know, like no two characters are really ever on the same page as each other. You know, I, I have a list here of just, you know, the jive scene, of course, the drinking problem line you said, the don't call me Shirley, the, right. you know, but that's not important now gags. There was one I, I wrote down that was, you know, when they says get in crash positions and instead of kind of huddling down, everyone right. reacts as if they were just in a crash. Like, yeah, there is so much miscommunication here. And I wanted to mention it just because we've spoken about this a lot, Daniel and I, just with like past Marx Brothers films where that kind of there's something very Jewish about miscommunication in language i'm gonna i'm gonna mention this again later when i talk about stretches because i have something uh something a little bit wild there but but even just this idea and we've spoken about you know just this immigrant jewish people kind of with another culture coming from and i don't know what's true of the zaz of the, the three filmmakers and their background but you know coming from places that didn't speak english and kind of having to deal with the questions of assimilating language and just what that looks like and it it's impossible for me to believe that the movie is not at least interrogating that a little bit just because there's so much when it comes to just language disparity, like disparity and, you know, mining humor from two people just never actually being able to communicate with each other. And I think I think that constitutes something that uh, that we could say is a little bit Jewish or, you know, part of that immigrant experience as we've defined, you know, in the way that no one is on the same page in this movie. Well, even even the beginning, like what was it? One of the critiques of Seinfeld at the beginning, the show was that it was too Jewish, (laughs) which again, other than the fact that Jerry happens to be Jewish and, you know, but like George, because his parents are obviously super Jewish, even if they're not, like, you know, but like the the show Seinfeld isn't very Jewish in a, um, I don't know, like top of uh, the topics, whatever, but it's, it's very Jewish from a, again, a humor. This is the type of humor that I would consider Jewish humor, which um, I, I, it's really hard, like hard to define, but yeah, it's, it's language based. It's um, based on yeah, language based miscommunications and some slapstick stuff. I think probably this like uh, you know it's a pretty like mixed flight in terms of like we have kids, we have adults, we have um, you know people of all different races. You have the folks uh, you know like the Hari Krishna looking guys as well. We have the guy who's sitting next to Striker. It's a it, I think the language thing. I think there's something there. Because everyone's kind of coming from a different place. You have a nun. You have, uh, I don't know, all sorts of people. Um, and it's, I think, yeah, there's so much wordplay in here. There's so much, you know. And then we got to talk. I mean, maybe we could save the autopilot thing for later. Because I don't know who this person is. Is this like a, you know, Eliyahu Anavi? Who is this guy? I don't understand. You know, we could think about it. We'll think about it. But anyway, I wanted to get to the categories, Harry. Yeah. Well, that was a great discussion of all the gags, as least as many as we could fit into this section. Um, but let's take a quick break. We'll come right back, and then Harry will introduce us to some categories. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Jews on Film. We are here with Ellie Leibowitz to discuss some categories from the film Airplane. 
Yeah, so let's start off with the question of what was the most Jewish scene in this film? And there are a couple explicit gags that I definitely had in mind that I kind of avoided mentioning before then because I knew I wanted to save them for this, but I'll let someone else take it first. But what do you think was the most Jewish scene in this movie? Either the... Would you like something to read? Do you have anything light? Oh, how about this leaflet, famous Jewish sports legends? Yes, thank you. Like that'll get you through about a page, uh, and then the hey, leaflet. Air Israel, get out of the way, and it's like a plane with a beard on it, a beard and and that pettis. The only other one that I clocked, which wasn't explicitly Jewish, was just you know when uh, Leslie Nielsen is kind of telling everyone not to worry, and mm-hmm. his like nose is growing. He says, "There's no reason to panic." Now it is true that one of the crew members is ill, slightly ill, but the other two pilots are just fine. At the controls flying the plane, free to pursue a life of religious fulfillment. I tried to get some context on what that meant, and I don't know yeah. if it's a joke about them being like dead, presumably, or just like passed out kind of thing, mm-hmm. and, you know, free for a life of religious fulfillment. But, but anyways, the, the two big ones are the leaflet and the air Israel, which I loved. And I wasn't sure because the leaflet one I think is hilarious. And I hope that the list of Jewish, of sports Jewish legends is longer, you know, 40 years I think later. So. I don't, I don't know if anyone has any yeah. names that they could throw out there, but but I would like to maybe get now, at least now, like a full who, page. Who, who Jewish athlete? Yeah. Is there yeah. a young kid who is playing for like YU who's from the Valley, last name Terrell? Ryan Terrell? He could be on that list. Yeah, Jewish there you legend. Go. Uh, Ryan YU. Terrell. There's the Jacob Steinmetz is in the Arizona Dimebacks minor leagues. True. From YU. Um, also, I mean, there's a bunch of people like in, in your, you know, throughout the years in the last 43 years exactly um, but the gag probably still works like the, the point it's a thinner the book, point is taken but not it's as the same thing in the west wing they're like who are you betting on to win the march madness and i'm betting on yu to win you know similar <laughs> i know that's a bit there that's awesome i think uh, i think for me the most jewish scene is is the scene where um rex kramer is coming to the airport and uh, you know, it's 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 the sort of like the ultimate joke of this, like passing out the flowers and the leaflets, which is like a running gag. So the Church of Religious Consciousness offers a flower and then Rex like punches them. And then another one says from Scientology and then from this and from this church and this church. And that feels like very much like sometimes, you know, it could be your experience uh, if you are around, you know, certain groups where they ask if you're Jewish and you're constantly getting uh, you got to do this or that or the other. That like reminded me a lot of that. Very so that's pushy. gonna be my pick. Yeah. Right. yeah. And also no no matter no matter where you are on the Jewish scale, as soon as somebody mentions Jesus, you're like, I'm out. Yeah. That's true, by the way. There's a Jews for Jesus guy there, so we can count that like, as a uh, as a yeah. right but punching away the Jews for Jesus guy, not that, you know, I would condone any violence against anyone. Never, but never. We can we can kind of claim that as quasi Jewish, yeah. Yeah, I, my my answer also is going to be between uh, really the first two we mentioned, like the one with the payas, like there's there's real Jewish iconography, but sure, I love that sports uh, leaflet. That's a very iconic. But also, by the way, just realize at a simpler time that we're talking about Air Israel and just like a you know Hasidic Jew as a the face of a plate. It's like okay. it, it's very like Mel Brooks's you know History of the World Part Two sequel, right. Jews in space, whatever. Right. So, exactly, so. totally. Totally. I mean, that's like the stereotypical, you know that. I mean, like the stereotypical Jew is like, you know, payas, hat, whatever, beard, whatever. Not not yeah. all of us look that way. Just exactly. As the guy with the beard. Uh, I tucked yeah. my payas in before the recording. So. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I want to take us now to the, to the second question, which is uh, one of our favorites, and that's 
what is your stretch of the pod? And this is where you take time to find something that probably unintended by the filmmakers very loosely could be tied to maybe something biblical or something. I, I think in this episode, we've honestly pulled in a lot of stretches talking about the Talmudic style. Daniel, I feel like you've said six already. I don't know if you have any any left in, in your tank. But uh, but what are some of the stretches of the pod that the two of you could come up with? So one that I thought of was that how Ted Stryker never doesn't believe in himself and he wants to, um, as the art scroll Chumash would say, Chumash would say, demur um, each time. And oh, no, no, so no, no, that's no, thanks, a no, thanks. very, very Moshe Rabbeinu type of style of being, hey, someone has to leave this, take right. care of this, even if... Uh, you know, even if he doesn't land land the plane well or whatever, but either way, he has to step up eventually, even if he doesn't want it. Which is Very also like reluctant. Every pro- yeah, and a, bu- a bunch of prophets in the in uh, in the in the Tanakh, and yeah, that's 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 mine. That I would say is my my stretch, but maybe not too far of a stretch. I don't know. I'll buy it. Yeah, that works. I like it. I, I, yeah, no, I, I believe in that, like the biblical model for that very kind of reluctant praise leader. And he, he clearly fits that mold, you know, doesn't doesn't want to do it until he absolutely needs to, which in this case, you know, you can't argue with that. Uh, but my stretch of the pod, and I said I was going to go back to the communication stuff, but there's this, uh, I want to read in like a little bit of a Tower of Babel read here with just everyone kind of speaking different languages. And what made me really, what made it really click into place for me was there's this great moment where they're all kind of singing a song together because they're trying to cheer up the uh, the sick patient who, oh, right. you know, who's then kind of like unplugged and it's a whole thing. But anyways, if you recall, they sing this song about like how we are all one and everyone's together in harmony. And there's this great, like, and like you said, Daniel, the plane is filled with, populated with all these different people from different backgrounds kind of all coming together. And that kind of, it's been happening before and after all this miscommunication stuff. But in the face of this togetherness, we kind of slowly realize that everyone is on, like I mentioned, completely different places. And, you know, for those who don't recall the story of Babel is, you know, about these people, all different peoples were trying to come together to build a tower to the sky. And God, you know, we learn in the Torah, confused their languages so that they would all kind of be disconnected. And again, unintended likely by the filmmakers, but there's definitely something going on there with uh, this like Babel-esque community of people who just really cannot get on the same page as each other. I mean, I didn't mention this when we were talking about miscommunication, but even through the end when Kramer is kind of talking on the microphone and he's like espousing kind of his own uh, you know, psychology, his own secrets, and he's talking to no one. Like they're really, no one is on the same page in this movie. Uh, Daniel, how about you? Do you got any uh, any good stretches for us? Yeah, I mean, I kind of talked a little bit about this. I think this is probably Stryker's like PTSD dream, you know, like... You know, maybe he's still like the end of the movie. He wakes up maybe beside a horse. Who knows? Uh, and he's like sleeping and whatever. But uh, yeah, I feel like the the way that everyone communicates with each other is just like not normal. And it's so ridiculous and so off, over the top that um, that is my thought. Um, I also want to maybe piggyback on uh, on Ellie's uh, idea about Moshe. I, I, I really thought that this was kind of like the Jews traveling 40 years in the desert, like with Moshe at the helm kind of like guiding them to the promised land, um, not without its like troubles. You know, I feel like the journey from, uh, you know, to, to to Israel from Egypt, like was marked with so many different somewhat comedic tragedy, tragedy moments at got, times. And it got, was like, they got, very, sick from, they, got, they got sick from eating fowl. You, Harry called it. Yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> I, that was, I floated that idea to Daniel. I was no, like, sorry. maybe I could go stretch there, but that's, no, that's great. great. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah, so I'm double dipping here, like but I feel like plague. I feel like we all brought the the heat, you know, with all our different stretches 
I buy all of them. So I, you know, all of you, all of the stretches are covered today um, under our Jewels on Film uh, payment plan or whatever. Um, you know, because sometimes Harry doesn't buy my my stretches, and then I have to figure out how to pay for it myself. But um, can we talk numbers for a minute, though? Is that okay? Is that something we could do? Like, we want to like rate the. F- oh. Do you want to skip the? Is this good for the juice question? Oh no, go for it. Sorry. Yeah. No, no worries. I don't know where you left off, but yeah, exactly. And uh, I wanted to ask our uh, our our third and final question, which is, you know, is this movie good for the Jews? And uh, interpret that how you will. I think every time that somebody with a Jewish name, like there are so many, like it's if a Jew did something bad, it's like, oh, that's the guy, like that's the Jewish guy. Yeah. But like for every ten good things or neutral or positive contributions to society like hey here's a hilarious movie that everyone joy enjoys you see the credits zucker abrams and abrams and zucker whatever and it's like okay that's great for the jews i think i mean because it just i mean listen maybe it perpetuates a stereotype that jews are funny but i don't think it's a bad stereotype it's all right i'll take it yeah so i think that uh, works for you yeah this 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 is i think this is a a good good for the jews yeah I agree. Other other than the few strays that I think we caught, you know, about our athletes, which again, all true. Like this this movie, it's not. I think, I think we we convinced myself, especially with this Jewish lens, that this movie is pretty Jewish. Watching it, and it's very Mel Brooks and very you know that style. And as it's endured and as it's become like quippy referential humor has basically yeah. become the mode. And I think it it's become so present. You know, I'm thinking of like the Deadpool movies or something. To mm-hmm. so the point that right. people probably don't even recognize it as Jewish anymore. So I think it's losing that kind of bite of like, no one's watching Airplane and saying like, wow, like Jewish comedy is great in the way that I kind of wish they would. But for those people who realize it, put it together, see the names and can kind of intuit that like, yeah, this is great. This is funny. I love that there are funny Jews. I love that there's a funny movie that, you know, I think is Jewish enough for us to consider it Jewish. <laughs> I uh, I think this movie is for sure good for the Jews. And and it's sports pamphlet thing. I mean, that's, that's there because... Hey, the creators are Jewish, right? Like, meaning if that's the point, then that's that's like, hey, we know this, you know, that right there is, is like a, such an awareness, right there, and I think that's you know very very clear. Yeah, I think nowadays yeah. the sarcastic and like like winking to the camera would probably like you're right be a, a Deadpool thing or like the the Taika Waititi like. And guardians making like a sarcastic idiot hero who doesn't quite know what he's doing. Like that's all very much uh, in the lexicon now of of cinema. As far as like my thoughts on it, you know, uh, there's nobody explicitly Jewish in the film. I don't think. Although like the the guy who goes to pick up uh, Rex from his house and he's constantly getting mauled by the dog had like nebbishy vibes to him. Didn't he? Didn't serve anything else besides like riding along and like listening to him do a little bit of exposition but he writes to me as kind of like this nerdy jew um but maybe that's just my own reading on it other than that yeah it was not like a strongly jewish cast um but the creators are jewish like you said so i think you know as authors of the film sort of because they adapted it um i feel like uh in that regard i would say it's probably good for the jews yeah uh one thing i i would say i don't know where this can go but Whoever decided to cast Leslie Nielsen, I, I again, I know he was a serious actor until this point, right? Right. But like, but like, it's like again, it's like the casting of Frank Castell, Jerry Stiller, 
on Seinfeld, which it wasn't, I know he wasn't the original George, uh, Frank Stanza on Seinfeld, but like this casting of Wesley Nielsen as the perfect person to play the deadpan thing right. and then just carry it. For, like, who knew that that would be like his defining thing after that for like all the Naked Gun movies, totally. Hughes. And he's like um, now who I associate with that kind of humor, with that ridiculous era of parodies yeah. that I think the movies today are sorely missing. That's, it, like, that's so interesting, that, like, like that he was a serious guy before this, because yeah, I think anybody watching Leslie Nielsen's catalog now, you know, also Dracula Dead and Loving It, that's like a Mel Brooks film. So uh, yeah, kudos to the Zuckers and the Zaz team for like figuring it all out. Well, I guess it's a, sorry, I guess it's like the opposite of uh, sorry about that. Um, I would say the opposite of like uh, Brian Cranston that like until Breaking Bad you're like he's serious he'd be serious and right um, it's just totally. like he, he kind of went the other way that he went from Tim Watley to Malcolm's dad and Malcolm in the middle Malcolm's dad nice <laughs> yeah so yeah I wanted to talk numbers you know given our entire discussion about this um, you know I wanted to talk, kind of talk numbers let's rate the film on a scale of one to five Jewish stars. Uh, in terms of cast and crew, content and themes, Ellie, you're our guest. Would you like to go first? Sure. How Jewish um, is the film? Not how good is it, but how Jewish is it? So cast-wise, very, very little. Like we said, like you said, um, it's like a three because you really, other than the like you said, those two jokes that we kind of did. Like if you if you're Jewish, you're gonna like this movie. But like it's very self-referential in that way that you're like, oh, this is Jewish humor, and an entire thing. Like I showed my wife an episode of Seinfeld, and she was like, I don't understand what. Like the one where they go to Florida and arguing at the pen, and she's like, why are they all yelling all the time? And I was like, this is how old Jews talk. Like, what, what do you mean? This is the most accurate portrayal. So like, I think Jewish people will appreciate this movie, but I wouldn't necessarily, and that's why I would give it a three because it's like inherently Jewish, but only subversively. Harry. You're wearing a nice meat hat today, old Jewish men style. Uh, how do you rate this film? It's a really good, yeah. I, I, it's a really good point that you just made, Ellie, about how like I, I, I like that. I, I don't think it's so obviously Jewish in the sense that like someone watching this is going to point and say, "Oh, Jewish," but there is something in the DNA of this that is so inherently Jewish style. And even as you know, like we said, people nowadays might not trace it back there, even though. As nowadays people, you know, might not trace it back to there. I think it's clear that this kind of is coming from this this Jewish place. I did a lot of research on Jewish comedy and humor and that style kind of before we saw this. And I really, I think a lot of it is there. And I, I also really liked your point earlier, Ellie, about the, you know, that Jewish line or some of like, or the Air Israel, like those two lines, like right. it feels like they're slipping in a little bit of their own. Like they're, like if, those, if these filmmakers were from some other culture, religion, whatever it was, mm -hmm. they would do the same thing with that. But that felt like, you're only getting those in if you're a Jewish filmmaker. So I'm agreeing with you, I think, on the three, maybe 3.25, because I'll push it up a little bit, because I really, I did feel like we made the case for it, but I think I'd be hard-pressed to see anyone go higher than that. But Daniel, with that being said, where do you weigh in on this movie? You know, I was originally, like, coming in pretty low, because nobody in the cast is Jewish. The directors and writers are Jewish, so that, you know, gives it a star or whatever. I'll go, like, maybe, like, two, two and a half, I think, you know, the stuff is there in terms of, you know, hey, the composer's Jewish, Elmer Bernstein, uh, so maybe an extra half star for there. But I think overall, the the this idea of, you know, language and miscommunication and things like that, certainly there's something there, but it's not enough to like push me to like three, three and a half land. 
Um, so I'll probably go like two and a half. But I still, I love the film and it's like, it's up there in terms of, you know, what I think of as like a Brooksian, like you said, Ellie at the beginning, like a Brooksian style uh, satire parody of the genre of of this other movie. And, and there's just so much in there. So I encourage everyone to check it out, watch it a few times or check out the article um, because it's a great one. And I, I think, by the way, inherently, one thing that makes it Jewish is that I would say is that there, it's almost like that there's like the seriousness of the world. And Jews are like, let me, let me let's take it down a bit. Let's take it. Let's let's like every like Wall Street's like, hey, we're gonna wear suits and we're gonna be official people. And it's like, come down, here, take it easy. So it's like this movie is again. You have these like, if you didn't know it was satire, if you didn't know what satire was, you know, it would be like Robert Hayes, very serious guy. Leslie Nielsen, very serious guy. Mm-hmm. Boyd Bridges, very serious. Rex, Cram- it would be with Rex Kramer, or whatever. Robert Sack. All, all these very serious actors and right. then again you have the the guy who works at the airport control who's like oh right. it's like my boy like that's the thing it's like judaism is a little bit like i i would say or my Hasidic judaism i would say is it, it has, you could have some fun it's okay right. just you know like let it like i would say yeah like the the, the it's the it's very litvak in the serious the subtext things you know but then like the Hasidic element is like all right Give you have some joy, have some, have some humor right. here. So he's our Hasidic character. Uh, that's I awesome. don't know, or just <laughs> maybe. His name is Johnny, or in the movie he's played uh, air traffic controller Johnny Hensad Jacobs, played by Steven Stucker. So shout out to him. Yeah, um, uh, Ellie Leibowitz, thank you so much for being a guest on Jews on Film. This was awesome. I really like that you picked this movie. Is there anything that you'd like to plug, promote? Are you going on tour? Where can people find you if they want to see your comedy, book you for an event? Um, so many questions. Uh, my website <laughs> is elliecomedy.com. And my comedy, my website is elliecomedy.com, E-L-I-comedy.com, because Leibowitz is impossible to spell. Um, my Twitter is at Ellie Leibowitz. I tweet a lot of like super inside baseball Jewish jokes. Um, and also on Instagram, I have some uh, my comedy clips uh, at Ellie Comedygram because I'm terrible at social media. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you can book me for Jewish shows. I do stand up for a lot of fundraisers, synagogues, anywhere there's food, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, thank you. This was this was a a lot of fun. I had a, a great time uh, talking about co- Jewish comedy and talking about an old movie that I. I hadn't planned on rewatching. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an oldie but goodie. I think it still holds up. Uh definitely encourage everyone to watch it. And uh thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Harry. Uh thank you everyone for listening to Juice on Film. You can follow us on all the social media outlets, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all the things. Have a good one. Don't miss your flight. Shabbat Shalom and I'll talk to you all later. Juice on Film is hosted and produced by Harry Ottensasser and Daniel Zana. Harry edited this episode. Follow us on Instagram at Jews on Film and subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes. Thanks for listening.